You were living your life, climbing the ladder and carving out a career for yourself. You had big plans and big ideas. And then you had a baby and everything changed. Just like that. All of it came to a screeching halt. Maybe you kept working or maybe you stayed home. Either way, your world suddenly became very small. And though you were never alone, you were always lonely. You silently asked yourself, where did I go? Who is that tired looking woman staring back at me in the mirror? Until you remembered something very important. You aren't just a mother. You are a mother plus artist, a mother plus entrepreneur, a mother plus musician, a mother plus yogi. You can have an identity outside of motherhood. My name is Stacy Hudson. I'm a mother to two under four, plus writer, certified health coach, aspiring entrepreneur, and athlete. My name is Stephanie Springer. I'm a mother to 10 and 15-year-old girls, plus writer, music therapist, producer, singer, and teacher. Here, we will interview mom bosses, entrepreneurs, artists, athletes, and passionate hobbyists and talk about how to find the thing that lights you up again. You're in there. We know it. You just have to find her again. Welcome to the Mother Plus Podcast. Hey guys, it's Stacy here. I wanted to let you know before we got started that we're going to do this episode in two parts. One, because it's a really important, some would say controversial topic that we feel would be helpful to space out so you really have a chance to think on it. And two, because we've been listening to you and you've been telling us that our episodes are too long to fit into one sitting or one car ride or whatever it is. So this is our first attempt of many to make these episodes more digestible for you. Are you ready for this one? Okay, let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mother Plus Podcast. I'm Stephanie Springer, and I'm here with my co-host, Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Steph. And we have Laura G. Owens with us today. I am so excited about this conversation because this topic is one of my favorites. So first of all, Laura and I met in um, a writing community, uh, the Her Stories Project. So for those of you who don't know, the Her Stories Project is a writing and publishing community for women. My partner, Jessica, and I have published five anthologies, and we've spent the last seven years uh, teaching online writing workshops and providing a space. We have recently started to focus Focus on Gen X women at midlife. So it was in our Her Stories writing community where I first met Laura. And Laura is um, an incredible writer and also a really thoughtful community member. So we got into some really um, engaging and in-depth conversations about motherhood and ambivalence, which is one of my favorite topics. So welcome, Laura. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited you're here. Um, before we dive into this, what is going to be a really rich conversation, start with the basics. Tell us about your family and where you live. Okay. Well, I'm married and I have a grown daughter who's 24 and I have a very spoiled pug dog and he gets a lot of attention. And I live in Orlando, a suburb of Orlando that's about 45 minutes north of Disney. Which I... Don't let me get off on this tangent, please, Stacy. But Orlando is my. Have I, I knew as soon as you said Disney, I was like, oh shit. I know Orlando is my actual favorite place, and my husband is constantly Yay. looking at properties that are suburbs of Orlando for our eventual retirement. So someday you and I could be neighbors. Nice. That would okay. be nice. That's all I'm going to say. I'm muting myself so I don't talk about Disney. And Stacy, you're up. All right. So the reason this podcast is called. The Mother Plus podcast is because we are all more than just mothers, right? We're people. 
And so something we've been talking a little bit more about lately is what is on the other side of your plus, um, you know, mother plus writer, mother plus teacher, mother plus friend, we've heard. So Laura, how would you describe yourself outside of being a mother? I describe myself as a writer um, and, and passionate about a lot of things, um, a really long, long list of things, but to kind of narrow it down, I'm a seeker. I love looking at um, mind, body, spirit topics. I love, I'm a foodie, a travel person. Um, I'm deeply involved in natural health and healing and writing about it and living it my own self. And anything to do with psychology, which I majored in, especially issues of mental health, um, because mental health is so stigmatized. And I had very serious uh, postpartum depression after my daughter was born. So that's a pretty strong topic for me that I've written about postpartum and talked about it quite a bit. She's speaking our language. I can see Stacey lighting I love lighting the first up. answer, seeker. That's no. I'm a seeker. Seeker. Cool. And, and the foodie and the travel and the mind-body connection, I'm like, oh. Yeah, we- and that's my, that's my jam. You're in the right room. <laughs> Yep, I know. I was I was super excited for you. I'm like, oh, there, you're just gonna love Laura. So holistic nutrition was like another path I took for a while before becoming a podcaster, food blog, nutrition, food is healing, that kind of thing. So. It is. I've done a lot of self healing with a lot of the issues that I've had, so it's a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. Um, my nutrition has literally changed my health and my life. So, but what I love, Laura, about your writing is that you just imbue it with all of these things that you're passionate about, which, you know, you're a terrific writer and you have a great writing style that's engaging and draws people in. But I love how you're able to incorporate your passions and educating others through your writing. It's like writing is kind of the the center spoke of your wheel. And thank you. Yeah. Well, what connected us originally um, in the Her Stories Project uh, writing community, we connected because of our shared interest in writing about ambivalence, specifically in motherhood. Um, So tell us when you first noticed ambivalent feelings in your motherhood journey. Was it right away? Did it take Um, longer? I think it was right away. I mean, I had postpartum depression around six weeks and that's kind of another discussion about sort of feeding into the ambivalence because you're not quite who you feel you should be, you know, but that's a sort of a darker place and more of the biochemical stuff where I was just confused and having difficult time and depressed. But in general, before that kicked in around six weeks, I kind of needed to get away right away. Like I was the mom that went to the mall when my daughter was two weeks old. I was the mom that was going on a date night with my husband. And it was family babysitting. And I remember being really, really nervous, like so nervous. You think I wouldn't go. And the restaurant was five minutes away and I was nervous the whole time. So you would think if you're that nervous, like a lot of parents just don't do it. But I noticed pretty quickly this visceral craving of separation that I needed. It was so intuitive. And so it, it, it's sort of like what I've referred to in psychology is the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like some you have to have food and shelter and water. And so you can sort of move up into the other parts of yourself and evolve. I needed time away very quickly. And I needed that separation very quickly. It's like the and bottom of was, your pyramid. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And so it's something that, you know, I noticed when I joined the mom's club or lifeline for me, I mean, these women were really good friends and we were getting together every Friday for three hours, which is a long time with little ones. We did that for four years and they were a lifeline, but I noticed very quickly as close as we became that I needed 
to talk about being bored at home. I needed to talk about going out more. I needed to have date nights. And when I was saying this, a lot of my friends are saying, well, I can't imagine leaving my newborn. I'm not there yet. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it became very clear early on that I was a different kind of mother. Like we all loved kids the same, but it's like one of these moms is not like the other. Well, I was one that was not like the other. And so so while they, yeah. And it's not like they weren't supportive and loving. Like they were my lifeline. As you all know, when you're a new mom, you crave the advice sometimes. You crave the support and you crave all of that in the play groups, which can be wonderful and also really hard. So it's like they gave me so much, but I just felt like a different kind of mother. Interesting. Can you back up a little bit and tell us about this club that you started in Orlando and why you decided that there was a need for this, this new group. So go ahead. Yeah. I had been in the mom's club for like a year. And like I said, I had these really good friends who were very close and doing a lot together. But I, as I said, I I kind of felt like there was a part of me that wasn't being met and I needed to find some other kindred spirits. So I started researching other play groups and I found this organization, which is national. It's all, well, it's disbanded now, but at the time it was all over North America called Mothers and More. Mm-hmm. And their focus, like every other support group for moms, they had everything, play groups, nights out, new mom support, everything. But their focus was on mom being happy and their focus mm-hmm. was on making sure. And they also embraced full-time working mothers. Even though I ended up being a stay-at-home mom, I felt very strongly that we needed to embrace and support what I wanted to see in Orlando chapter was everybody, mm-hmm. whether you're part-time at home, full-time. And so, and I needed a group, I wanted to find a group that kind of spoke to that part of me that wasn't feeling like the other happy stay-at-home moms. I needed more, I needed more interests. I needed more time away from my daughter. I needed to eventually have a career at home, which is what I wanted to do. And I felt like that organization just spoke immediately. As soon as I read their mission statement and what they, and they also work at the national level and at local chapters to follow legislation that was helping mothers in a very variety of ways. So they had their hands in a lot of different areas, but the big picture was that mom needs to be happy. However, that looks. Sounds like our kind of group. Yeah. Oh, we love it. Well, and they were all over. You know, and when you were talking about the other one, and Stacey and I feel like we always have a lot of disclaimers as far as you love every minute, you want to be, like there's nothing wrong with that. But what you're pinpointing is not that there's something wrong with those other moms. It was, or or with you, just I was a different kind of mom. And I love probably having some perspective and distance from it. You're able to say there was nothing wrong with them or me. I was a different kind of mom. And you don't really, until you're in that that first baby group where everyone's sitting around with their their infants and, and you find that you're the only one who's like, is anybody else like just itching to get the hell out of here? Or is anyone else bored? Or does anyone else feel, you can tell that, when you're the only person who feels comfortable pursuing that type of conversation and that other people are just gravitating towards like, Oh my God, I can't imagine leaving her. I love her so much. And right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And, and some of these women may have felt that way, that it just wasn't really a forum for, it. and the meetings that they had at the mom's club, again, very grateful for that group. That was during the day when you bring kids, mothers and more had very strict. When you started a chapter, you had all the things you had to do. 
very strict criteria that meetings were at night. Mm -hmm. So we could explore, except if you're a breastfeeding mother, then you could bring your child. But um, that was important for us to be able to explore these topics and have these conversations and a really safe place. So yeah, I needed to find kind of a tribe that understood how I felt. And I was looking at the corporate level because I wanted it to trickle, well, the organization, because I wanted it to trickle down. But that's the philosophy that mother's happiness is really important. And whether you're working or not working, we don't care about your parenting practices. That's nothing to do with it. Right. Hear each other and have safe spaces to say, I hate this. I love this. This is horrible. I love this. Because I had a lot of, you know, I remember having these conversations when I would run meetings about ambivalence and not loving being at home, but being grateful. And a mother came up to me one time. It was really eye-opening. She's like, but I love being at home. And I apologize. I said, I'm so sorry if I made you feel for one second that this is all about what we don't like, (laughs) that you like being at home and love that is I'm envious. And I wish I felt that way. So it was just very open and supportive of all the different feelings and validating rather than judging. Right. In that first club, before you had started the new chapter, did you feel um, like you weren't being yourself? I felt like it was being myself because I'm pretty open, maybe to a fault. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I, I felt like I, my friends and I were very close, but I don't feel like I was, like I said, one of these moms is not like the other. I just yep. felt viscerally different. Okay. Like I have to have more time away. And one mother was talking about how she went back to work, which I did part-time for six months. And the day she got there, she sobbed and came home. When I went back to work, it was like, oh, thank God. Does this this make you think about Mikal, who at the very beginning, our last guest, she's an interior designer. And she said when her baby was still young, she would go into her office and she would be so in the zone that she would catch herself being like, oh shit, I forgot I have a baby at home. (laughs) And she wouldn't remember until her milk started until she needed a pump. pump. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you were talking about that visceral feeling of needing more time away. And, Mm -hmm. and I do think that when you're the type of person you are, and I am that when you realize that, oh, I'm the one who's not like the other, you immediately want to seek out others who are like you, not both for yourself, but also because you have that knowing of, wow, if I feel like a square peg in a round hole, I bet there are other moms out there who feel like they don't fit in. And I want to give them a safe place to fit in. The same as I want that for myself. I feel like it becomes very symbiotic where it's like, let me, let me seek out the others of us so that we can be together. And you know what I really like? And this is another thing we connected about in, in the Her Stories group. You stayed home at that time. You weren't working outside of the home, but you still needed the time away. And Stacey, mm-hmm. this is so interesting because with staying home and you know you've had those feelings of, God, I need a babysitter, but I don't work. Who am I to have childcare? Laura and I both had our daughters in two different preschools at the same time. Yes. Like with Izzy, it was like on Monday and Wednesday, you go to Teresa's house. And on Tuesday and Thursday, you go to the Golden Rec Center preschool. <laughs> so I never I, knew somebody else that did that besides me. I remember the first time I met another stay-at-home mom who did that and I would be lying if my initial thought wasn't, well, that's like, you must have a lot of money or something like that. That's my initial thought to be totally honest, right? Like who, who is allowed to do that? 
And I remember talking to her about it and she's just like, I abs- I wasn't judging her, at least saying it to her face. I was just surprised because I didn't even know that that was a, a concept. I didn't know you could be a stay-at-home mom and still ask for help. And I think her husband also traveled. My husband travels, Laura. And so there's a lot of like part-time single mom happening in my life um, where it's all on me. And and it, she was the first one that opened my brain to, you don't have to always be the only one. You can ask for help, even though this is your full-time job, you know? And and it just stuck with me. And I don't think I actually did anything about it until maybe six months later for myself. But she had her, her son in daycare, just like part-time, two or three days a week. And she said it was life-changing to her. And it took me a minute to be like, you know, I could do that too. That's... yeah. You're, you are allowed. And I, I did work part-time, but I, um, I taught early childhood music classes. So I could bring my kids along with me and just either put them in my class or pop them in the childcare room. You know, so I didn't quote need to have the childcare, but then when things really changed for me was that I wouldn't just pick them up, you know, at the lunchtime mark, I would keep them in childcare, even though I wasn't teaching in the afternoons. And mm-hmm. like, that felt like this decadent thing on the one hand, but on the other hand, it felt like, like you were saying with Maslow, it was foundational for me. It was the bottom mm-hmm. of my pyramid. It was not a top level fluffy, oh, you're getting your nails done. It was like a need. I needed to have that afternoon when I was done working, I wasn't working and I wasn't parenting because those are the small spaces in which you find yourself. You're not your professional self or your mom self, you know? Right, right. And I think that, you know, I, I, I talk about this like it was came so easily to me to have this, do these things sort of outside the box, but I did have a lot of conflicted feelings and that's really how I got into writing. You know, I started yes. writing my conflicted feelings while writing my ambivalence. I was at one point writing a motherhood book about reality motherhood and how to work through the grisly hard stuff. And then I got out of that into freelance, but it really was when I was writing and sort of taking those thoughts of guilt and not being enough, even though I was doing it anyway, <laughs> I was going on date nights and two preschools, but not always feeling great about it, but I did it anyway. Yes, Stacy. that knows that's my motto. Feel the guilt and do it anyway. Oh, I like that. And, yeah, I hadn't heard that before. I really like that. Well, what's interesting, I, I think it's really important that you say that because, you know, your daughter is older and mine are not as, mine are still kind of in the middle, but even, both of us have enough distance in the rear view mirror to make it sound like, um, yeah, we were just pioneers for this and we just did it. But I think it's important to acknowledge that, yeah, in the moment you did feel conflicted. You did feel guilty. You did feel like there was something wrong with you. Absolutely. That's why I started writing when my, when my daughter was two years old, I couldn't, I, I had to, because it was really the only place where I felt I could put those feelings as I was working through them, because it's an active process, you know, um, the writing about it, it's like, um, it's a creative act, but you're also processing these feelings that feel really unsettling to you where they did to me. I was like, God, why am I not like the other moms? Why do I have to be like this? What's wrong exactly. With and, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I was so outspoken that I was venting out loud about my feelings is because I was trying to process it and find validation in others, especially when she was really little and I hadn't worked through this yet. And not hearing back from people going, oh, I get it. I understand from other stay mothers. I get it. I understand. 
And then no, a couple mothers would say things like, well, moms that put their kids in childcare, you know, I want to raise my kids, not somebody else. These, and even though I wasn't working, they started to feel like this isn't, this isn't right. I need to have people that understand where I'm coming from, even if they feel differently. Well, the childcare thing is a sort of judgmental statement. And I don't, I don't approve of that, but I just felt like I needed to find people that could just shake their head and go, I may not feel that way, but that makes sense. And I really wasn't getting a whole lot of that from anybody. It was just like, and I'm, I'm wondering if it's been because back then, this is a long time ago, the confessional motherhood was just getting started. Just barely. Just barely. And this is sort of an era and a pioneer era. And I, there's a book that I read called The Mask of Motherhood by Susan Mozart. And she really launched a great book and kind of launched me into child pregnancy can be rough and, and childbirth isn't beautiful and postpartum depression and sometimes you hate your kids and all these grisly raw feelings so the reading and the thinking out loud and helped but the writing as you said kind of helped me process it and tell myself you're not crazy this is okay you're not okay. Did you ever read um, Susan Jeffers' book? Um, I'm okay. You're a brat. No. That, that was that was prior to the confessional era. I mean, and I feel like sort of between your your motherhood and mine is when that became like a permission kind of a thing. But you really had to seek out books if you wanted to read about it back back yeah. then. And I found this book, and I was I, Izzy was two years old, my oldest, and. Um, I remember reading that book and crying with relief because it was basically that that validation of there is nothing wrong with you. Um, it was the first time I'd heard any of that darker side or that sort of ugliness, so to speak, mm -hmm. expressed out loud. It was the first time I felt seen as a parent. And sometimes you can't help but just cry at realizing for the first time that you're not defective, that somebody else has been there. Yeah, that you're enough. And you know, what happened is a lot of books after that, which is wonderful, like the three martini play date, a lot of comedy, confessional comedy came out. And that's where I thought, that's where I started seeing the ambivalent feelings being really celebrated in a funny way, which I think is great. Like the raw grizzly stuff does make you want to cry because it's so heartfelt. And then when it starts getting in, like, okay, now we see ourselves, how we really feel and we can make fun of it. Yes. Right. Yeah, I'm so right. glad you said that because that I, I write not as much as Stephanie, but I'm a writer as well. And whenever I write about motherhood, I always feel the need to bring comedy into it because I don't know if that makes me feel like I have permission to talk about it in this way or if it's just my personality. But for me, the first time I felt permission to feel the way I was feeling or that I wasn't alone was going to listen to your mother, which Laura, you may or may not know about, but it's this live stage show that Stephanie is one of the producers for and all of these mothers get on stage and read essays about motherhood, not necessarily just mothers, but it's about motherhood, right? And there's kind of a split between the one, the essays that are grisly and the ones that are funny, you know, there's a, usually about half and half because that's how, you know, however we choose to express it. But the ones that were funny were the ones that made me feel better about it the most you know it feels like I do a trip love down that. memory lane like this humorous confessional motherhood era and like the dawn of scary mommy and i i sought out those humorous parenting books because they were funny but they all had the undertone of Psst, i kind of hate this or right. i suck at this or they were funny but it wasn't just like and then the 
poop explosion. Ha ha ha. There was always something that was subversive. There was something subversive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a good friend in the neighborhood and I still do that. We'd walk around and she, we were friends for probably two years and my humor being my humor, which is very blunt and very out there. And if I feel it, I say it, not at someone, but about myself. And I said, my daughter, she doesn't stop crying. I'm going to spear chuck her through the window. Now I thought it was funny and she'd known me for a while. Like, I don't even know how not to talk that way. And she's like, and we, she knew I wasn't going to have a second child. She's like, you're right. You shouldn't have a second child. And she's a mother who is one of my closest friends on the planet, but motherhood to her was full sacrifice, not going out, not getting sitters at a preschool, hundred percent opposite. Hundred percent. So I just realized that's probably not going to be now. As her kids got older, she started venting. <laughs> You're not supposed to vent about a two-year-old being a little demon. Dude, which is I called my that. baby. I called my baby an asshole, and I remember somebody being like, mm, I, "I love it." See, that's yeah, and I was like, right "Oh my, my god!" I showed my hand, and and like I got smacked in the face for it. Like I felt I really it. ashamed and humiliated. But I'm like, "Oh, sorry, my baby's being such an asshole." Because like you said, I don't know how to talk any other way. And people, it was like the pearl clutching, you know? There's actually a book called Toddlers Are Assholes. Well, they are. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I said God made toddlers cute for a reason so you keep them. Yeah. And like 95% of people I said that they laugh and 5% go, ooh. Right. And that's, like, you know, that's just, that's okay. We're different, you know? Right. But to me, being really honest and funny at the same time is so cathartic. I agree. All right, guys, that's it for part one of our ambivalence episode with Laura G. Owens. Tune in next week for part two. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mother Plus podcast. We cannot believe how many people out there are listening and loving our message. It's honestly a total, it's a dream come true for me and stuff. And we are just so grateful for all of you and for your reviews and comments and emails and we wanted to make something for you to thank you and keep the momentum going it's called the permission slip as in you have permission to pursue acting you have permission to pursue writing you have permission to pursue hot air ballooning if that's your thing this guide is to help you find the other side of your plus in it we will help you dive into who you were before you became a mom and in turn plan out the woman you want to become now that you are it's so good guys we spent so much time on this it's got everything you need to know to get your wheels turning and most importantly it also gives you practical steps you need to take to actually pursue your passions even if you still have kids in diapers all of this is available to you for free you just have to visit motherplusser.com forward slash permission hyphen slip that's motherplusser.com forward slash permission hyphen slip to download it we hope that just by taking this one little step for yourself it will put you on the path to find the thing that lights you up again go get it mother plusers we'll see you next time